Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Blue Suit Podcast, which will be attached to the Substack here moving forward. The reason why I wanted to do this here specifically is that I understand that a lot of you may be busy with your day-to-day life. And then what I really wanted to do was offer the opportunity to listen to podcasts or even consume a lot of the material that I put together here for you guys while you're, let's just say, at the gym or while you're driving and your way to work, whatever it might end up being, walking your dog, um, and really just provide that optionality and that opportunity for for you guys to continue to, so you don't necessarily have to sit down and read a lot of the things that I'm saying. But today's publication and today's podcast is going to be specifically around the growth stock outlook uh, around the week ahead, as well as basically recapping briefly on what just ended up happening last week. There's a lot of important earnings that are going to be coming out this week, and there's a lot of economic data that's going to be coming out as well. And then even from a technical perspective, there's things that we need to be paying attention to as growth stock investors. So what we're seeing here from a technical perspective is that it looks like a base is actually starting to form in growth stocks. And this is despite how the 10-year yield actually increased to about 1.93%. Now, this is not always super significant because it seems like over the past three to four months, the growth stocks have sold off regardless of yields going up or down. But what I did notice is that that there was a correlation between large spikes up in the yield curve and then ARC's individual weakness. And I'll I'll talk about ARC here in, in a second and why I end up using that ETF as a gauge for growth stock sentiment. Um, But what I'm seeing here is that it actually looks like that this trend could potentially be reversing, but this is directly related to a lot of the macro conditions that are going on out there. And I also do think that sentiment is playing a massive role into this. And the reason why is that it goes back to this old adage where it says, don't throw the baby out with the dirty water. What it essentially, the, the narrative was rates are going up, monetary conditions are tightening, So sell growth stocks. And what this did is this created a a capitulation and everybody just was was dumping their growth stocks for regardless of business fundamentals, uh, valuations, or even just like the business model in general. So that's what today's podcast is actually going to be talking about here. So I want to talk specifically about the technical trends that are emerging, the macro data that will play a, uh, a role. Think about it as like the fuel to the technical trends. Um, And it will play a role in how things continue to develop for us and the growth stock investors out there in this community. And then also a couple key earnings to pay attention to. Um, But if you guys do like this this content here, I highly recommend you at least uh, subscribing to the free portion of this podcast slash publication or consider becoming a a paid subscriber. And the real difference here is is that I I do offer free content. Um, but I also offer paid content. So think about it as like an expansion of services in general. Um, but then you also are going to have additional insights into how what my personal strategies are uh, at any given point in time for the, the economic environment or like the economic cycle and, and the technicals and all that stuff, right? So just my overall portfolio strategy. And then you also are going to have additional access to me on a one-to-one basis just to bounce ideas off of. Consider me as a resource, right? And then you also do have an exclusive Discord community that comes with the paid subscription. So consider uh, becoming paid, or if not, at the very least, becoming a free subscriber just to to follow along with a lot of the growth stock trends that are going on out there at any given part in the market cycle. So when we're talking here specifically about the, the technical trends, what I'm seeing here emerging is that I often use ARC's Innovation ETF. 
And the reason why is that it's considered and it's being lumped into this category called mid-cap growth. Um, and, and this is basically a lot of like, I think Twitter is, is a big uh, proponent of investing into growth stocks. And this is this is going to be a really, really good indicator and, and it helps us. And it's like a resource for us to get an idea of what the overall market sentiment is and the overall market trends are for growth stocks. And what you can actually see is that, uh, and, and if you guys are listening along, if you could just scroll down to, I think it's actually one of my first graphics here, where I pull up the ARC Innovation long-term chart here. And what I have is I actually have the 200 weekly simple moving average. And what you can see is that ARC has actually traded all the way down to it and it actually acts like it's being used as a, as a form of support. The last time that it touched this was the bottom of the COVID-19 lockdown panic sell. So now what we're, we're seeing a very similar occurrence here. So if it ends up following a similar long-term trend as what ended up happening last time, what we could see is we could see a very, very nice, strong, aggressive bounce on a weekly basis. And longer term trends are always gonna be stronger than short term trends. And you can even see that the RSI is in a very, very oversold condition. And then the MACD looks like it wants to curl up. So just looking at the weekly chart for ARC, it actually is, it does look like it's, it's finding a bottom. And this is very important to pay attention to, right? Because you could clearly see on the weekly basis here, at the beginning of 2021, if you would have paid attention to the weekly charts, you may have been able to save yourself quite a bit of pain uh, because these longer term trends really do play a role into these shorter term trends. But when we are looking at the shorter term technicals, what we're seeing here, and I, I often use the five and the seven EMA. And the reason why is I use it for various different shorting strategies to really decrease the beta in my portfolio. But what we're seeing here is that the five EMA is actually trading above the seven EMA as per the close on Friday. What we're looking for on a short-term basis is, is Monday. So that's going to actually be tomorrow as of recording this podcast. Um, if we end up seeing the five or if we see arc green, just in general, it doesn't necessarily need to uh, be super green or anything like that. But if it's, if it's like 1% to 2% up on that day, what we could see is we could actually see a technical short-term reversal in the overall trend. Now, the stronger that it is on this follow-through day, uh, what we would like to see is a follow-through day, right? High volume, green candle, up 3 to 5%. And then this would create a probably a short covering rally is what I'd like to think. So maybe even a part, partially like a short squeeze. Um, so definitely want to pay attention to Monday and how that develops. But what we're seeing here is that macro and a lot of the data that is coming out does play an important role to what this next week will look like. I I would like to think that Monday will most likely be green, uh, just because on the NASDAQ, it looks like its technicals are setting up for a nice bounce. Um, and then even on ARC, technicals look like it's setting up for a nice bounce. So just from a technical perspective, it looks like we're, we're positioned for an update, but macro data is still overhead at the moment. And from last Friday, what we ended up seeing is we saw jobs data come through and it became it came in above expectations. And what we saw is that wages actually continue to rise about 0.7%, um, which is which is important, right? Because this is this created the 5.7% year over year. Uh, this is definitely something to monitor, right? But CPI was was about seven, 
to, and I think they're expecting about 7.3%. But when you have this, what this, this essentially means is that if wages only went up 5.7% on a year-over-year basis, but inflation is expected to be 7.3%, which you're seeing as a decrease in purchasing power for the average everyday consumer. But what was encouraging about these job numbers is that it ended up coming in way above expectations. So I think the number here is going to be 467,000 in January for for a gain uh, ahead of the expectations of about 150,000. This uh, the reason why this is important is that from an economic perspective, you know, raising rates and all that stuff, all the drama that's going on out there, this at the very least shows us that the economy is still strong. And it actually did we did see a, a tick an uptick in workforce participation as well of about 0.3%. Uh, so we saw a raise from 61.9% to 62.2%. Um, the reason why this is important is that it, it really does show that we can, we can clear off, even though it does lead to uh, the likelihood of monetary tightening um, being a lot more aggressive than originally thought. What it does do is that it, it at least helps us relieve a lot of those recession fears. There's a big difference between multiple compression due to risk premium being reevaluated by the, the larger or the enhanced federal funds rate. But, you know, it, it's a completely different thing when you do go through a recession. And the last real recession that we went through was in 2008. 2020 was technically a recessionary year as well, but it was so short-lived. So if we did end up getting a prolonged recession, what we would most likely see at that point is we would see a very clear, you know, downtick in inflation, but a, a probably a lot of market volatility. You know, I wouldn't want to see it, but somewhere between 20 to 30 percent down in the in the averages, where I think from top to bottom in this latest correction was about 11 percent for the S&P. You know, that's that's essentially what recessions do. Everything sells off, not just growth stocks. But when we're thinking specifically about uh, inflation and going back to that here and, and the data that's going to be coming out this week is what we're expecting here is we're expecting about a 0.5% month over month and then a 7.3% year over year CPI reading. And then we also have core CPI coming out this week. But uh, in, inflation is is arguably more important than the jobs data that ended up coming out last week. And the reason why is that it, it really does do about three different things. Um, number one, it, it really creates a lot of uncertainty in the economic environment. So this, this is likely why growth stocks, not growth stocks specifically, growth stocks and small caps uh, have sold off over the past years because inflation has been ticking up. It, it, really makes, it really brings into question about how durable their competitive moats are and like the pricing power that they may have over their customers. This is probably why a lot of investors have fleed towards large caps as of recent. And then the second thing is that inflation plays a big role into how the Fed responds from a monetary perspective. If, if inflation is too high, um, then the Fed is more likely to be aggressive. And if it's aggressive, it could potentially provoke a recession. You know, that's what Paul Volcker ended up doing in the 1970s, is that he essentially provoked a, re a recession that created a deflationary environment to basically combat the hyperinflation that was sticky back in the 1970s. Um, but more importantly here, from a growth stock investing standpoint, because growth stocks are, uh, as some people would say, is risky on the riskier side of things, um, it does, inflation does decrease investors' uh, risk appetite. So if you do see 
inflation numbers higher, it, it just brings a lot of uncertainty just in general, right? It brings a lot of uncertainty to from the Fed, uh, from the economic perspective. And this in turn really shortens investors' time horizons, which does provide an opportunity for growth stock investors because now you're buying stocks at a discounted price. But nonetheless, it's not very much fun to always go through here. But in, in my opinion here, with this next data release that will end up coming out, um, I would expect it to probably come in line. And, and I'm not, I think it's a fool's game trying to predict the future. Uh, but in this particular case, what we, we have seen is that vehicle prices are being speculated to, to, de, to uh, moderately decline. Um, we will actually get that data here on Monday, so tomorrow. Um, but you do still have a lot of those supply chains that it's still a mess out there. You know, as of the most recent data, it's it's not looking really, you know, great. There's still the ports are still jet, are all blocked, and in addition to that too, there's there's a trucker shortage. So that's I, I don't think that the protests on the Canadian border um, are are necessarily helping with inflation very much, right? Um, so this is there's just a lot of headwinds that are going on with inflation, but then also a lot of uh, secular forces that are that are also combating against inflation. Um, but when we look at this week and, and we think about a lot of the earnings that are going to be coming out, I think it's I think expecting volatility is is going to be paramount here. And j- just because we ended up having a weekend between last week and this week doesn't mean that there's going to be a short um, short term uh, reallocation of expectations uh, for for a lot of the volatility that we could expect. So a good example here is last week we ended up seeing. Um, Meta or Facebook trade down about 25, 26%. That was nuts. Like that is a hundreds of billion dollar company. It was almost a $1 trillion company and it's trading like a penny stock. And that's definitely something to take note. I don't, I don't think that I've ever seen that. And I think a lot of investors have not seen a uh, mega cap tech stock trade like that. But also important too, is that after uh, Meta's earnings, you saw Snapchat fall. Uh, along with Pinterest and Amazon. And I do think that what ended up happening is that you had investors that were just terrified. They didn't want to see their uh, accounts be basically cut in half. But what we saw after earnings was that Snapchat ended up rising about 50%, and Amazon rose 13.5%, and Pinterest rose 11%. And I think that, and, and the funny thing was, is that their earnings weren't even that great. But I think what and what's happened here as of recent is that a lot of tech stocks have recently been priced for basically death, <laughs> like they're being priced to go out of business or see amazingly decreased uh, fundamental performance. But that's not necessarily the case on what we're seeing with a lot of these tech earnings, with the exception of Facebook. And I think that there was another one, but I can't necessarily, oh, PayPal, PayPal. Um, so that's what a lot of investors are concerned about. But just meeting expectations seems to be a good bump to a lot of different uh, stock prices. So that really helps us as growth investors because the worst really is priced in. But for this week, we have a couple different growth stocks that will be coming onto the picture here uh, and they will be releasing earnings. On Tuesday, February 8th, we have Digital Turbine, Enphase, and Doximity. Of those, I, I own Digital Turbine and they're expected to put they're expected to post about $353 million for that quarter with a non-gap EPS of $0.43. Cents. Uh, their forward PE is currently 20 uh, with a 30% plus expected growth this year, I think that they beat. And I think that 
this is very conservative, like their overall growth number. And I, I think that we see a move up in digital turbines uh, stock performance, just based on a, on a fundamental perspective. Like their forward PE is 20. It's, it's very, very hard to, it's very hard to ignore that their valuation is super low, um, but expected to put up numbers like that, right? So Enphase, uh, another company here, I don't necessarily own this one, but I do know that it specializes in renewable energy. So if you are bullish on the renewable energy space, this is definitely one to pay attention to. Their forward PE is approximately 45 right now with an expected growth rate of about 40% this year. Their earnings are expected to come in about 400 million and a non-GAAP EPS of about 59 cents. And then Doximity as well. Doximity is, is essentially a social media platform at IPO last year. Um, and, and how they monetize is they actually have, they sell advertising space to pharmaceutical companies and med device companies. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to follow along with this one. They're a super profitable company. They're still growing really fast. Uh, so analyst expectations here are about 86.3 million and a non-GAAP EPS of about 12 cents. Twilio will be reporting on February 9th. I think that this is definitely one to pay attention to. They have been notoriously a winner. I think that their market cap is about 33 billion right now, um, but their expectations are about 769.3 million for revenue and then a non-GAAP EPS of negative 22 cents. Uh, they are currently unprofitable, but their growth story is just too hard to pass up on. Then Thursday is a big day personally for my portfolio where I have Datadog, in mode and then Confluent will all be reporting on Thursday. This is very important uh, because it's funny that the, I think the top three valued companies uh, in the software space are actually reporting on this day. Uh, so like the, I think there's three of the top five. So Datadog, Cloudflare, and Confluent are some of the most expensive stocks in the stock market right now on a valuation basis. But with Datadog, and I do have a position, they, are, they provide a unique combination between growth and profitability, as well as just an overall future perspective. Um, you know, they, they specialize in cloud application management and security, but their uh, expectations are going to be $291 million, uh, for revenue and then a non-GAAP EPS of about $0.12. Cents. It is important to know here that Datadog has a history of completely destroying earnings on, base, on a top and a bottom line basis. InMode is going to be one that I own. They will be reporting on Thursday here, where they, they specialize in the vanity space, uh, is what I like to call it here, where it's going to be like basically body, body can't contouring. Sometimes I stumble on my words. Body contouring, um, using RF technology here. But for them, they are very, very interesting because of just their overall balance sheet, how they run their business, and they are just a profit machine. I think they're, don't quote me, but I, I think they're, uh, gross margins are somewhere between 70 to 80%, but their forward PE right now is only 23, and they're expected to grow at minimum of 20% this year after coming off of, I think they ended up growing about 50% last year. But their expectations for earnings are going to be on a revenue basis, uh, about $103.5 million for the quarter, and then a non-GAAP EPS of about $0.57. Cents. I definitely think that this is going to be one to take a look at from my, uh, I guess, from like a value perspective and then also a growth perspective. So Cloudflare is also expected to release earnings. Um, I do not have a position on this one. I've always had a really, really difficult time with evaluation, uh, but not saying that this isn't a wonderful company. I mean, it, it operates a cloud platform um, with various different cloud business services, which 
really do. I, I know that they specialize in cybersecurity, um, but their forward price of sales right now is about 37. And that's that's tough, especially with their growth only expected to be about 35% this year. And their expected revenue is, is, should be coming in at about $185 million with a non-GAAP EPS of breaking even. So 0 0.00 cents. Um, this is going to be interesting to see. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt to see a, a beat on the top and the bottom line. So Confluent is actually going to be one that I've been paying a lot of attention to and the price. I really do still struggle with the price, but Confluent is an exceptional company in the sense to where it's, it's very sneaky, right? So like at first glance, you think, oh, overvalued tech stock. But when you dig below the surface, you understand like what the business does in the first place. And essentially they're an enterprise solution for Apache Kafka. And Apache Kafka, what this is, is this is actually going to be like, um, it's data in motion is what a lot of people, is what, how they say it. So think about like, the Apache Kafka acts a lot like your neurons running through your entire body and then, and then Confluence software would act a lot like your brain. So with this data in motion, this allows you to interact in the, in the real time environment. So you don't necessarily have to do any sort of batch processing or do any sort of extraction from any data services or anything. And, and what's really fascinating here is that they, uh, they have two, actually three different portions to their revenue. And the one to pay most attention to is actually going to be their cloud growth or their managed cloud growth, where last, I think last quarter, it grew about 245% and it consists of about 26% of their overall revenue. And what I'm looking for here for this earnings is I want to see a continued expansion of 200% plus. Um, because I think that they're currently expected to grow about 37% this year. Um, and it's putting them at a forward price of sales right now, about 31. But it's very, very difficult to take a company that's growing at, you know, that has a product that consists of 26% of the revenue that's growing 200% plus a year. And it specializes in Apache Kafka management. And I know that their biggest competitors right now are, are AWS, Google, Microsoft. But they don't necessarily, so even Amazon and Confluent have, have partnered up because Confluent really does specialize in um, Apache Kafka because their founders created Apache Kafka, which is a type of uh, code um, for the data in motion. So I, I definitely think that this is one for uh, to keep on your watch list and, and pay attention to. And I think the growth for the, for the year is sandbagged at 37% big time. But the revenue is expected to come in at about $109.8 million and a non-GAAP EPS of negative 21 cents. Um, despite them being unprofitable, I think that they have about somewhere between one to $2 billion of cash on their balance sheet and uh, absolutely no debt. So very, very important there. Um, what I think here is, is with a lot of these growth stocks, a lot of them are about 50 to 70% off of their all-time highs. Um, so we, we could see a continuation of last week where there was a lot of movement to the upside uh, for a lot of these growth stocks, and especially on the small cap front, because a lot of these small caps really are left for dead. So if they can perform well and then provide good guidance, I do think that we're going to see a lot of movement to the upside here this week, um, given that inflation you know, comes in line or even is colder than expected. Um, but guys, I wanted to make sure that I was providing you with an update here for this next coming week. It really is a big one. Um, I think that this week is probably more important for this next month than any other weeks right now, uh, because we are on this bottoming process. And if we have a strong week this week, 
it would not surprise me to see a rally to the upside and then maybe even the Nasdaq could even push all-time highs um, until March, until the Fed, until the Fed meeting, where they do have to hike rates and quantitative easing is, is completed. But until next time, guys, I appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, make sure to subscribe if you are not subscribed in general. And as always, stay tuned, stay classy.